G'day everybody, it's Dan Saunders and David Redden talking cricket again. And without any further ado, the great man is here, Dan Saunders, fresh from his commentary stint at a windblown pasta field on Sunday for the SGM Cup Finals. But we're not here to talk about that, we're here to talk about suburban district cricket. Dan Saunders, a very good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Dave. Great to uh, be catching up with you once again for um, episode three of our Saunders and Redders talk, talk cricket. Um, suburban Districts competition, um, alive and well, five rounds in now, and um, amazingly, of the 30 scheduled games of the weekend, 24 got on, considering the weather we had in those days leading up to last weekend. There are two things I'll say about the weather. The rain clearly stopped at the last possible moment, and the curators in Newcastle and the people that put covers on have done an amazing job. We didn't have the greatest conditions at Harker Oval. The pitch was slightly underprepared. Okay, not going to complain. It's the way it was. But for so much cricket to be played is a testament. So everybody, genuinely, at King Park, at Jezo, at Salamander and at Adamstown, and interestingly, I'm sure Salamander would have a sand base given where it is. But um, they've in, in the Suburban District's uh, First Division, for them to get four games out of five, was remarkable. When you consider that Merriweather and Broadmeadow, Dan, had 88 millimetres of rain in the in the lead-up to the weekend, that's a superb performance. But if people clearly want to play cricket, and I do not know if that would have happened if, there'd been a, 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 if there hadn't been a COVID break. People said, all right, that's just the way it is. I think everyone's so keen to play, and I think that's a wonderful attitude. Congratulations to them all. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I think we spoke when we recorded last Thursday that we were pretty much, you know... I think it was just a given that there'd be probably no games, turf wicket games on the Saturday. And, the, and I think the NDCA was only four grounds unavailable across four grades. And two of them were at uni who are looked after by a private firm. They're not council grounds. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. On to first division results. I'll give you the results first and then we'll drill down in the game. I know Dan's got his notes and is keen to talk about this. Port Stephens, 7 for 152, built at Newcastle City, Adamstown. 87, great performance at King Park. In an absolutely superb game of cricket at Jesmond, the West Derby was played. The journeyman made 132 and the waterboard ended up 8 for 136 at Jesmond. As Dan predicted, not a high-scoring game due to the due to the outfield being, and I drove past that a couple of times in the day and it was very, very lush at Jezo. Merriweather and Walls End was one of the games that was washed out at Connolly Park. Over at Salamander Bay, Nelson Bay, 118. Uh, Redhead, quite comfortable winners there, 9 for 168. Uh, interestingly, there's a name there, Richard Moorman, playing for Redhead. He played great, great cricket for... He's a South African, and he played for Belmont last year, Dan. Um, right. if, if that, that is such an unusual name. I'm sure that's Richard. And then in the last in the last game at Adamstown, a very... Um, and um, this is atypical of the games we've reviewed this year, a very high-scoring game between Mary Ellen Muntrats and the Adamstown Premier Hotel... The Mudrats 201 defeating Adamstown 185. Once again, an outstanding game of cricket. Some real good games there. Off to the first game. Dan, over to you for this one, and we'll go through it and have a, have a look at each game. Port Stephens, 7 for 152 uh, at, off their 40 overs. And unfortunately for Newcastle City, they just fell apart. They all had 87. Big win for Port Stephens. Over to you, mate. Yeah, from um, I actually had Josh Moxie on my program Sports Seven on Tuesday night. He was saying that um, he's only ever played in one other game where the win was worse than what they encountered on Saturday up there at Raven Terrace. He said it was 
he's a left-hander, and he actually opened the batting. He thought he'd take one for the team. And he said he bat was blowing into his pad. Wow. That heavy. It was taking the, the control. He had to work extra hard. I believe he uh, also pulled that out of his uh, freckle as the reason he got clean bowled by Tommy Trinetic as well. Um, cheaply, but yeah, and again, across across the game, there's going to be very similar stories. But the Pythons won the toss and batted first. Uh, they were in trouble early. Okay, they were they were two for thirty three, including um, Captain Josh Moxie. Uh, but his brother, younger brother Jared, who's um, Name is synonymous with um, obviously the pot. He spent some time at Stockton uh, District back in the day, but um, it was a good good leap back in the form for Jerry. He was the backbone of the Pythons inning, scoring 67 from 94 balls, and that is a very patient knock for Jared Mopsey. He goes at a pretty good clip, only three fours and one six, so there would have had to be plenty of running in what I imagine would have been a very slow outfield. 152 from their 40 overs. Um, Leighton Everly chimed in with 19, and Jeremy Kirks had a bit of a hit at the end with 15 not out from 12, including a 4 and a 6. And that, um, they're important runs down the bottom of the order. Kirks 15 or 14 is a real little uh, impetus and gets them back the momentum. That's right. But most importantly, they batted their 40 overs, which is something we'll again touch on throughout. Um, I think Redhead have been listening in. <laughs> they uh, got to their 40. We'll get to them shortly. Uh, Dean Trajanowski, 2 for 29 from his 8. Uh, Tommy Trudenik, very economical, 2 for 17 from his allotted 8 overs. And Corey Bruce, a name that's popping up each and every week, very consistent. He's taken um, another couple of wickets, 2 for 32 from 8 overs. So 152 off 40. Traditionally, I guess that's around par. Um, under the conditions, 152 is always going to be a very difficult run chase for Rosebuds. Um, and again, Patrick Considine was the backbone of their innings. He batted an hour for 25 from 58. Um, a lot of single-figure scoring there. Uh, Corey Bruce opened the batting, scored 14 from 24. But yeah, bowled out for 87 in 32 overs. Uh, Blake Simpson, the destroyer, 8 overs, 5 for 19. Um, the Pythons, that's two wins and one loss from their first five games. There's a bit of a, a jam on the ladder, which we'll get to at the end. Yes. Um, but they're one of, I believe, four teams in tight third, if you will. Early early doors, of course. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that's a game on paper you would expect the Pythons to win. Um, and they got the biscuits in that, in that clash. Oh, and you did, to be fair, when we discussed this last week, we clearly identified them as being the favourites there um, yeah. in that game. The next one, the next game, the local derby. What a game of cricket this was at Jesmond. Um, and you were, just before we go any further, Dan, it's interesting that 150 at the moment is, by and large, a par score in this competition. Anyone that scores 150, it's a pretty fair target at the moment. Now, the Mary Ellen Adamstown game is by massively an exception. But that 150 is definitely... If we get 150, if you scrape and scrimp and do what you've got to do, you're in with a real shot in this competition, as you quite rightly pointed out last week. The West Journeyman, and again, D Dan Saunders has got this run out on the head. They only faced 38.4 over, so they let they left eight ball balls in the shed, 132 all out. Uh, and in reply, the West Water Board were in all sorts. Own, no one other than Mr. Um, Extras scored more than 30, uh, 29. Just to let you know, the Journeyman bowled 19 wides, 
And Dan, you also spoke about this when we first started doing these potties about the the wide rules and how they're in the, the what the rules clearly are and that and also the change to four piece balls. Well, wides are quite possibly costing the game. The water board ended up eight for one hundred and thirty six off thirty six overs. So you can imagine if they'd have got eight more balls and got ten or twelve more runs, how interesting it would have been. And if their bowling had been, and they also bowled six noies, so. They've bowled six noies and 19 wides. There is 25 extra runs in a total of that much. That's pivotal in the game. Over to you, my friend. What a game of cricket this was. Yeah, look, um, the, the, the local days. It was also a replay of last year's City and Suburban A-grade grand final. The journey of the last year's minor premiers. And as I've said, uh, consistently been the benchmark in A-grade for the last decade. Yep. Um, but the water board, um, of course, both them and Journeyman have linked with the West District Cricket Club this year. They have teams in Division 1 and Division 2. The water board have a team in Division 3 as well. So very strong um, across the board there. And as you point out, like the opening partnership of 33, Cameron Wells scoring 20 and Brendan Patterson top score with 35. Um, but to be fair, you, you said how the Journeyman bowled 19 wides in that defence of their table. The water board bowled 17 wides in this inning. So... And one no ball. So they've batted 38.4, but they've actually faced 41.4 by rights. Um, Again, that, that, that has to be said. There's a disparity there. What is it? 19, 25, 18. There's seven um, extras more for water boards when they're batting than when journeymen were batting. And again, in this game, that's still uh, that's important. Yeah. And it's, um, again, with, with the interpretation, especially the leg side. That, oh, Yeah. Provided it's consistent, you're looking at that 19 and 17 respectively, it's fair to say the rule's been interpreted consistently across the game. Yep. Um, it is something that was, and I know we touched on this last week, it was, it was discussed in the off-season about the umpires showing that leniency in Division 1. Like, a wide's a wide, but there's shaving league stuff and there's a foot outside league stuff, and I think different umpires have a different interpretation. But that's for another conversation for another day. Terry Collins um, is a very fine, experienced umpire, and he is, yeah. he's oh, not only he's a good good man uh, and good umpire. Very consistent. Both teams have had the rule interpreted the same game by 17 wides and 19 wides. In the Correct. Yeah, but the journey with the 132, um, if you told me this time last week they'll bat first for 132, I would have probably said... That's a very good total in Jesmond Park, especially allowing for the rain and um, the low and slow flat wicket. Um, a massive effort. Well, we'll just go through some of the stats there. Um, Alex Jamick, a season campaigner for the Waterboards, taken four for 17 from six overs. And Peter Lockeren, three for 15 from eight, very economically, seven for 32 there. Wow. Overs. And they're just skittled through the middle order, of course. We said Wells scored 20, Patterson 35. Um, Scott O'Donoghue scored 23 in the middle order, but the rest, a number failed to uh, bother the scorers. number of uh, names, Malcolm Angus, Dion Sandos, didn't play. Uh, but still, on paper, journeyman quite strong. 132 all out. And the water was, that was a fantastic run chase. To get those runs with four overs remaining, uh, that is... Well, I consider it an upset, but in saying that, the Waterboard, they did win the A-grade grand final last year in a very low-scoring game. Scores of 70-odd, and I think they got the run seven or eight down. Um, but in this game, uh, Mitchell Crone at 29, Jacob Ribbon 23, and um, Earl 
James Earl with 21, and Nick Dimmers 22. So the runs have been shared around there. Nick Dimmers with 22, not out. Um, God, in the what an innings that was. That that's basically steered them home. Yeah, well, they've only lost eight wickets, and that partnership there. I mean, they lost a 16 run for the eighth wicket, um, which has got them home. Um, Sammy Vashaw, none for 21 from his eight. Dave Sullivan, always economical. Yes. Three days, three maidens, two for 18. Uh, Harry Cornford, three for 25 from his eight. And Simon Knight, two for 31 from eight. So some would say an upset, um, but the water board are still one of only two undefeated teams um, after five rounds, because Wall's End is still undefeated, but they did have a washout on the weekend. So yep. the water board are currently standing atop the ladder all by themselves by one point after five rounds. So that's a credit to them. That's excellent. And the journeymen, um, they're not going anywhere. They'll, they'll come back from that next week. Um, I wouldn't be like to be playing them this week because they rarely put two losses back to back. Now, what's going on? Redhead's batted 40 overs. Redhead ended up at Salamander Bay playing Nelson Bay. Uh, the great man, Ross McKim, umpire in this game. What's going on? Redhead better their 40 overs, Dan. I thought, I thought you made it quite clear last week that Redhead, Redhead don't bat 40 overs out. Well, I think we might have a couple of listeners who are people listening, actually, from, from the uh, Lake Macquarie region. Um, and actually, I should just touch on that. Due, due to, a, a, let's just say, a miscommunication, um, there was actually no umpire at that game. Oh. I noticed the, uh, yeah, um, and the wides, I guess, three from one innings and one the other innings. Well, yeah, well. Story right there, yeah. So that was unfortunate. Um, but from all reports, I've spoken to the captain of the Redhead side. He said the game was played in very good spirit. Um, a lot of the players are sort of known to each other, um, played against each other over you know, a number of years coming up through the grades. Um, Redhead won the toss and batted first. And it's the same names we keep hearing. Joey Parsons has opened the batting and, and peeled off 40 with five boundaries. Um, Richard Milman, there, you touched on Richard Milman. He did indeed play first grade for Belmont last year. He, he played in the grand final last year in that uh, one of the greatest grand finals oh, ever. Which oh, oh um, that, and can I give yourself a Neil McDonald credit for that? If we can just interject for a minute, it's our podcast, we can do what we like. <laughs> I listened to all that. Unfortunately, I was at a not unfortunately. I was at a family reunion, and I listened to that. Your commentary was superb. It was one of the best games of cricket I've ever seen. I was just kicking myself I wasn't there. But enormous credit to you. It was must have been an absolute joy and thrill to watch. What and seeing Joey Gillard step out of the shadows as a sixteen-year-old, and you know, and with Jace Lawson get them back in the game, and then for West to be seven for thirty odd and win. What a game it was, but it looked, I digress. Congratulations on a superb performance. No, look, thank you. And I must say on, uh, what day is it today? Tuesday. Monday night, here's how interesting my life is these days, Dave. I actually watched that entire second day's play on YouTube, on the NDCA live streaming YouTube channel. Um, nearly three hours there, but it was, knowing what was coming, it was still exciting to watch. I, I, I watched James King get them home and it was Fab, oh, the tension you could... I was on watching on YouTube. It was The tension was unbearable, to be honest. That was one of the greatest captain's knocks I've seen in any level of cricket. Yep. And so Richard Moore, that there's, there's the segue from Richard Moorman, who played in that grand final for Belmont last year. Keep going on Redhead, please, my friend. Yeah, Richard Moorman is a fantastic pickup for Redhead. A, oh. a, a player of his experience. Um, 
opened the batting, bowled first chain and, and performed. Um, I said last week that Redhead have, um, I guess, gone about their, their recruitment pretty well. Now, this was prior to Norman being confirmed. I'd, I'd heard he was coming on board, but then I'd heard he'd gone to the Central Coast. But he's, he's, he's back here and he's all clear. Uh, 26 from 23 with five boundaries. So uh, he was the first man dismissed for 39. And Matty Palmer's picked him up. They would have been very happy to get him because I'd say he was just starting to get quite hungry and was ready to feed. Um, but again, off to, off to a great start, which they do. A lot of boundaries early, five apiece to both Parsons and Melbourne. Matty King, two fours of six, and he's 25. And that's about all the runs. The, the tail didn't really wag. Uh, there was a 12 not out by um, Brett at the back end of the innings. But most importantly, Redhead batted their 40 overs and 168, always a tough run chase. Anything over four and over, regardless of the conditions, um, you've got a target to bowl at. Now, Nelson Bay, Dougie Rollins, bowling his, his medium pace darts, five for 25 off six overs. Um, a great captain's effort there. Uh, Dougie can bat, Dougie can keep, Dougie can pole as well. But he, um, yeah, we could share it around with a couple other guys, one wicket apiece, but five for, 20, five for 25 off six overs, a huge effort to I guess restrict Redhead in the end to 168 because the yep. start they've got off to, um, 200 could have been on the cards. So said Sam based up there at Sullivan the Bay um, would have been quite dry, and I'd imagine the outfield would have been would have been reasonably quick. Um, Nelson Bay and their run chase, unfortunately, they've fallen about 50 runs short. Uh, Matty Palmer was the backbone of their innings last week in that run chase. Well, again, 31 from 57. Uh, Peter Lester opened the batting, 25 at a run of all, three fours of one six. Um, again, okay at three for 61, but then seven for 92, and sort of all she wrote. Um, Richard with, uh, Norman. Three for 13 from eight. <laughs> and as you said, what a pickup he is for Redhead. If he plays the entire season, they're, they're a dangerous outfit anyway, judging on by listening to you and looking at their form because they can score so quickly. And they're going to get much better days on quicker outfields when they can score. They'll put 200 on teams. And that makes it, in this competition, I think the 200 is almost unbeatable. Yeah, just just about. You're right there, Dave. Um, and, I mean, there's, there's Nelson Bay. Not, I mean, they've got a, a number of really good players. And there's the wind just around the corner from them. And they've stepped up from Division 2 this year, along with the Premier Hotel and Adamstown Rosebud. So they're just finding their, their footing in the top grade. Uh, Joey Parsons backing up his first five for last week from two for 20 from eight. As we said, Richard Millman, three for 13 from eight. And Ben Monk, three for 25 from six. So some uh, efforts shared around Redhead there. And um, the, the main issue that Redhead are going to find is their home ground of Wile Oval. You know, you can um, you know, have, a, have a leaky oil in your car and wash that ground out. Um, okay. it's, it's not very good for wet weather at all. Um, so away games, as I said last year, in 20 rounds, had 11 washouts, which... That doesn't help. Um, but on paper, very capable team. And I think they're going too far into the fixtures. I think they're up against Merriweather this week. So it'll be a good uh, barometer to see exactly how they're tracking. 
We'll look, we'll look at the we'll look at the fixtures in a minute. Of course, yeah. Merriweather and Walls End was washed out of Connolly Park, leaving us with the final game. This game was played at Adamstown uh, Park, number two, and of one of the mo- I think it's just about the most high scoring game that Dan and I have reviewed in our three weeks of doing the Suburban Districts podcast. The Maryland Maryland Mudrats will be very cranky with not betting forty overs out. They made two hundred and one off thirty eight overs. Excellent run rate. Uh, really, really good. And then in reply, Adamstown put up a very, very good fight. But after their top order um, got huge amounts of runs, they just completely collapsed. And I mean completely. And ended up off their 40 overs all out for 185. Over to you, my friend. What a game. Again, what a terrific game of cricket. But again, very high scoring. Good to see. Good to see a good high scoring game of cricket. Yeah, look, I actually did the rounds on the weekend. I was at Harker for about an hour in that, uh, the game you were scoring at in first grade. Yep. Um, but I went over to Adamstown and checked out things, and this was a game I stopped by for oh, a good 40 minutes. And, yeah, the Maryland Mudrats, they lost a couple of quick wickets. They were two for 38, which, um, with Frost and, and Forsyth for Smith's cheaply, um, Premier Hotel probably let it get away, but their conditions were quite wet in the outfield. Um, the pitch seemed to play okay, but walking around the ground, it was very sloshy right towards the witches' hats. Um, okay. The middle order scores, scores there. Luke Evans with 42 and Liam Nickel 45. That third wicket partnership of 88 was the backbone of that Mudrats innings. But 200 in, in A grade or Division 1, very rarely is that going to be chased down. You'd have to be playing on a posting stand for 200 not to be an impressive total. Uh, Simon Dixon, 4 for 31 from his 7 overs. And Jeff Brooks opened the bowling 3 for 40 from 8. So 7 for 71 from their opening bowlers. You'd have thought that had been a show, but 201, um, a very good score by Mary Ellen. And again, they'll be disappointed it fell away at the end um, and ended up 201. Then over to Adamstown, who started off like an absolute house on fire. Their first three bats are making 57, 31 and 57, but then it got ugly. Yeah, look, 145 score between the first three, and I imagine they would have been very confident, and that would have been a definite upset. Um, no argument there, but Peter Murray, 57, uh, Ben Ruffley, 57 as well, and Jeff Brooks, who took a couple of wickets, opening the batting, scored 31 as well. Um, unfortunately, they've ended their scores. They haven't put it the wicket in, so I can't comment too much on that. But what I can comment on is they had four dismissals by run-out. And, and that, that's what strikes at you. This, Cameron Roxby's figures are one, are one thing, but four run-outs, not a good way to win a game. You can't win cricket playing doing that. That's right. They actually finished nine for 185. They weren't fouled out. They batted their 40, so they gave themselves every opportunity to win this game of cricket. Okay. And I imagine some of these run-outs would have been scampering for every run you could get. But the Mary Ellen Mudrats, a lot of ex-first and second-grade district cricketers are in there. A young team, so very, very slick in the field. Um, they've only fallen 16 runs short. Oh, the Premier Hotel should be very proud of their efforts. Uh, as you alluded to, Cameron Rocks, the eight overs, two maidens, two for 17, the pick of the bowlers. Uh, Brendan Frost, two for 39 from his eight. Four runouts of the nine dismissals. Um, and yeah, looking at it, it's mainly the back end of the innings where those runouts have occurred. So. Uh, well, credit for the Premier Hotel. I, I thought they might have uh, been a chance earlier. I said I stuck around for 40, 45 minutes at the start, and they were certainly um, 
certainly well in the game. It looks like when I've left is where that partnership really got a hold of them. Um, but yeah, a very competitive game of first division cricket there. Oh, a sensational game of cricket. And with no disrespect, Adamstown will be a bit cranky they didn't finish the game out. Um, Frost, as you were saying, wickets, but he also had two direct hits, which is quite remarkable to um, have two direct hits in the one innings from the one player. And uh, But Mary Ellen going along okay, and that, that's a win they'll be very happy to get away with, I would suggest, because uh, Adamstown really stuck at it and uh, gave them what I would suggest to you was a real fright. I'll continue on. I've lost a Dan for a little while. Hopefully he comes back and joins me, everybody. So sorry about that, but we'll continue on. Under the games being played this week, we've got Walls End playing Adamstown at Adamstown Premier Hotel at Jesmond Park. Redhead are playing Merriweather. Big game there at Lyles Oval. Newcastle City, Adamstown, Rosebuds have got Nelson Bay at Adams Park, Adamstown Park, number two. Mary Ellen Mudrats have got the Journeyman. What a game that'll be at Connolly Park. Um, and the final game is the Waterboard against the Port Stephens Pythons. That's at Blackley Oval. Um, look, some big games there. Uh, look, certainly Redhead and Merriweather, um, two teams have played good cricket this year. Uh, Walls End hopefully getting back on the park this week with um, having been washed out last week. Mary Ellen and West Journeyman, there's a game that could be a precursor to the finals. Mary Ellen going along all right. The Journeyman just got resold on the weekend by the Waterboard. Waterboard will be favourites against Port Stephens. Port Stephens travelling away from Raymond Terrace to go and play at Blackley Oval. And if you remember last week, Blackley Oval um, conspired, the pitch conspired to a, uh, a low-scoring game. Let's just hope the pitch is a bit flatter and that everybody gets a chance to play fair cricket. But probably you, you would look at this and say, Wald's End favourites over Adamstown. Redhead and Merriweather's a struck match. Maybe just Redhead because it's at Lyles. Only just. Newcastle City and Nelson Bay. That's a struck match again at Adamstown Park. Perhaps Newcastle City. Marianne on Mudratch and West DCC Journeyman. That's actually the game of the round. That'll be a cracking game. Mary Ellen, slight favourites at Connolly Park. And West Waterboard have got the Port Stephen Python, as I said, at Blackley Oval. Uh, Port Stephen's a good win last week. However, West Waterboard will go in a slight slight favourites there, um, given that they're playing at home. I'm sorry I've lost Dan there on on our our, uh, um, coverage there. Uh, I just thought I'd finish off there. We'll look forward to catching up with you all next week. Enjoy your suburban districts cricket. It really is a pleasure to talk suburban districts cricket. It's a new environment for me, uh, being involved with grade as I am. So it's great. And there's so many names that have have, uh, gone from playing grade to playing in suburban districts, good to see Richard Mulman playing his first game. Good cricketer, and he'll be a real um, addition, a real plus for Redhead moving forward. On behalf of Dan, this has been David Redden. That's the Saunders and Redders Talking Cricket podcast this week. Everybody, take care. We look forward to catching you next week. Bye bye.